Welcome to the Multiply Network Podcast, a podcast created to champion church multiplication, provide learning, and inspire new disciple-making communities across Canada. Hi there. Welcome to the Multiply Network Podcast. My name is Paul Fraser. So glad that you joined us for this episode. Uh, One of the things that we're trying to focus on in this next little bit is we wanted to bring you in to some of the leadership conversations that I get the privilege of having as we talk about the future, about what's going on or what's changing. Uh, So I've invited my friend Landon Dorsch uh, from Gateway Family Church in Leduc. And what we are going to talk about today is uh, something that we're trying to build into the life of the church is a microchurch network. So we're going to try to have this microchurch network with the existing church, and Landon is the senior pastor there. And we go into what we're thinking about, maybe what we're projecting, or how it's all going to look. And then we talk about some of the tensions around some of these ideas. Uh, Probably a year from now, we're going to look back and refute everything that we've said. Uh, But I wanted to bring you into this conversation because microchurching is something that is growing. We think it's a big part of the future. And again, just wanted you to be a fly on the wall, to jump in and hear some of the things that are being talked about. Hopefully you'll learn from it. Hopefully you'll join the conversation and the interview is coming up right now. Hi, Landon. Welcome to the Multiply Network podcast. Hello, hello. It's good to be with you. Man, uh, I don't know why it's taken so long uh, to have you on because uh, we've been friends for a couple decades and... uh, you know, I've got some accomplishments that you've. I normally do an intro on the front end, and I will, uh, but this is this is my intro for you. You know, one of my good friends here. You're a husband, a dad, and a grandpa. Yes. So I that's am. exciting. Yes. You're a pastor. You're an author. Hallelujah! And uh, yes. you've written a couple books. Uh, teacher, speaker, international speaker, which is also yeah, true. I, I went across the border once and spoke in the States, so it counts. <laughs> you uh, you played football as a youngster. You own golf clubs. Uh, you're... <laughs> you do. I noticed, how, I noticed how you said you don't know how to use No, I just said clubs. you own them. Uh, you're a hunter. You love hunting. So much so, you created a TV show about that. Quickly tell us what it is. The TV show is called Kingdom Wild, and uh, I take out uh, sports people or leaders. I take them out on a hunting or fishing adventure and interview them and share the gospel. And it was on Wild TV, and so the gospel is getting shared all across Canada um, in, on a secular station. So it's pretty cool. And one thing you need to know about Landon, he's very entrepreneurial. And the story on how, I mean, maybe another time we can talk about how God even just placed that that dream in your heart and how he brought it all together. But that's a lot of living in 38 years. Congratulations. Yes, thank you. Thank you. If, I, if I've learned anything in my 38 years, <laughs> is, that I'm, is that I'm not 38. <laughs> yeah, is that you're not 38. So uh, obviously, if you're, you're jumping in on this conversation, uh, Landon and I have uh, done ministry together for many, many years, and uh, we yeah, we yeah. attend the church at Gateway in Leduc, Alberta. He's the lead pastor. And today we're going to talk about a new idea 
it's not new in the sense like it's probably the oldest idea if you go right back to the book of Acts. But this idea of microchurch, and what Landon and I are wanting to bring you into a conversation on today is how do you do microchurch with an existing church? And that has been, uh, as I've read different things on microchurches, you see them kind of as separate networks. You see them kind of popping up and, uh, you know, through affinity, through relationships that, you know, these networks get created multi-denominationally. It's amazing. But I haven't seen too many where you have an existing church that actually says, we want a missional arm to be microchurches. So, Lena, let's start with the backstory on how you and I uh, got into this conversation, and uh, you know, we'll just correct each other if we get in any of the details wrong because we will anyways. So, but you, <laughs> you tell your side, and then I'll tell my side. But just what, how? Because most people would say this model could not work with an existing church, and we're trying to make it work, and we think it will. So, tell us a little bit of the backstory and how you got to this place of even building this airplane in the air. Yeah, well, I mean, planting has always been a part of, uh, uh, on my heart. I've wanted to plant churches, and uh, but just the the model of, of sending a group of people out um, just wasn't working for us. And then we, we did try another model where there was a, where there was an open building that formerly housed a church, and, and uh, we went and gave that a go, and, it, and it, it didn't, I wouldn't say it failed miserably, but it but it failed spectacularly in the sense that it just it was just difficult to make it make it really fly. <laughs> yeah. And and I mean, here's what we learned. And for those of you out there, you know, um, dreaming into church planting, uh, start with people, not a building. I think that that. <laughs> yeah, that's probably a good idea. <laughs> yeah. So we kind of we did it backwards there, but we thought, well, the thing is empty. Let's give it a go. Yeah. Uh, discovered there was a reason it was empty. So. Um, you know, we, but planting is still on my heart. And so to find a model that, that is, uh, uh, you know, that can possibly uh, mesh with, with our vision as a church family and literally become a missional arm of who we are, not necessarily a, a um, I'm not afraid of autonomy for them, but measured autonomy, you know, so that there's just this expression further out. And our, our goal with Gateway was always to plant in a way that we planted our culture and then we let it flourish in its context. Right, right. Um, and, and, and so there's elements of our culture that we would like to see reproduced yeah. uh, in, the, in the planting uh, process. Um, and so really that, so my heart has always been to kind of, to see that happen. Um, and so this microchurching feels like it's the tool to make it happen. But I think, I think one of the things, Paul, that, that we have that, that perhaps is maybe just a little different and, and um, gives us a, a bit of a, a leg up is, is that you and I have relationships. Like, I mean, we're talking about, you know, over 20 yep. years of friendship. And so there's a measure of trust there that, that, you know, just doesn't happen because there happens to be uh, like-minded vision. It's like, we can have, you know, some, we can, we can, we can have some of the harder conversations and it not be relational. Yeah. Uh, furthermore, we can have some of the har- harder conversations and we can leave them hanging uh, unanswered because we're okay with trusting one another to that will land when we land, you know? And yep. so there's some areas where there's continued, I wouldn't call it tension, but for lack of a better term, yeah. you know, it's sort of like the, the, the sustained court. We're still waiting to see how it, how it, you know, uh, uh, relieves itself in the, in the context of our, our decisions. So, 
I mean, but for me, yeah, so that was always in a desire. And so then when you began to discuss this idea of microchurching uh, and, and wanting to see, you know, it happen, it, it rang in my spirit that this is sort of part of what I think we could be doing in our context through Gateway of, of raising up individual leaders mm-hmm. and, and uh, who have that missional heart. Um, and not saying here's 50 people go, but more so, um, yeah, your church will grow as you as you go, as you're missional, and we'll support you in that, and we'll help develop you. So, so when when you know I began to see that in you, I, I remember uh, uh, kind of reaching out to you a while back uh, when you first took on the multiplication role and say, well, why don't you come and help build the model here at Gateway? But really, I think back then the model hadn't really come into your heart yet; that you hadn't really discovered the microchurches, and. Uh, and so that led to a second conversation. It was just like, you know, Paul, what's wrong with you? Like, like I said, we could do this here. <laughs> I, I, I remember it a little bit differently. Uh, I remember saying the first well, time. You can, you can tell your side of the story, and then I'll tell the truth. Okay. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> so what, what actually happened, folks, was I was, like, really excited about that. this idea. And then, you know, kind of landed shooting from the hip. He goes, why don't you do that at, at Gateway? And I'm like, yeah, it'll true. never work. It'll never work because and that's true too. Paul, Paul, as you all know, those, those uh, four or five of you that listen, uh, as you all know, <laughs> as you all know, <laughs> Paul, one of the, one of the more negative guys on the planet. I, I really have. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. When it comes to optimism, to get to dive into something. Yeah, yeah. Optimism, not his, not his no. first lead. No, but anyway, so I I said it'll never work because, you know, existing church is too structured, they're maybe too focused on, uh, or not too focused, but their primary focus is on gatherings, you know, and, you know, Sunday mornings or Friday night youth, and and microchurch is more of a decentralized thing, and then, and then as you, as, as I thought it through more, and then you, you again, sometime later said, hey, let's chat about this again. Um, I, we began to kind of discuss and talk through the tensions of what a microchurch could, like network, uh, movement, whatever you want to call it within the existing church, what kind of tensions it could create. But then as we kind of discussed it, we thought, wait a second, this might actually add uh, momentum. This might actually add and not take away. And so I thought, Landon, today we would talk about some of those tensions that we've kind of wrestled mm-hmm. through. And um, let's start with leadership, because that's one thing that's really important. Um, anytime leaders go somewhere uh, and you're sending them and perhaps maybe releasing them into something else, that can create a, a void or a gap in, in the existing church. And I'm, I know some pastors are going to have questions. We're not going to get to all, probably answer all your questions that you probably have. But, but when I said, hey, if we're sending leaders to go start this thing, they may not come back to the, like, to the main campus, the main house, because that becomes their church in some ways in this microchurch model. Maybe from your perspective, how did you see this as being okay? Like, how did you, how did you get past the, we're sending people, and you know we may have gaps in our own programming because we're sending good leaders to start these new micro churches. Like, how did you how did you process that in your mind to say yes to it still? Well, I think I think the you know 
your strength is your bench. So we have to be making sure that, and one of the things at Gateway really we try to be um, deliberate about is, is making sure that we have a leadership pipeline. So there's somebody, there's somebody coming up because um, like to just assume that you're going to have somebody forever is, is, is a mistake. And if you lean into them, you know, entirely um, in your various volunteer areas or your various leadership areas, I, I mean, that you know that's going to create natural voids and give you the reason a reason to be more likely to want to hold people back rather than to yeah. let them launch and so um you know we have a mindset here of like who's next who's next even though the person in the in in the lead chair might be hitting it out of the park we just we're, all, we're challenging them who's next like who are you raising up um so that's number one that's part of it and secondly we're okay with like you and I, if we've talked this through, we're okay with the definition of, or, or, or with the, uh, with the expression being different that some people might take the microchurch on, but still hold a bit of a leadership yep. spot at gateway. Sure. Like, like we're prepared to be flexible in that. And so we're not making a cut and dried play over every one of them that each one will, you know, will, will navigate the way it is. Like what, like we've said, some of them, they might, Maybe a microchurch is is a bit of an affinity group, which is fine. We we don't want it to be a small group, and we we you know we'll probably define that more as we go on. But but they might find themselves still unable to uh, achieve the ecclesiological minimum mm-hmm. and need to still attend gateway. And so there might be a microchurch that meets on Thursdays, but they still come on Sundays, and they're and they're part of that, and we're okay with that as well. Um, so it's it's we're we're being rather uh some could say ambiguous which could be difficult on a vision but i think we're what we're being is flexible i think we're willing to let it sort of breathe and let it you know let them move as we are i think the the issues where we're most concerned is that we have consistency in leadership yeah and so when i thought this through i just thought we need us we need a we need a church for this micro church network that my wife and i are dreaming about and praying about and we needed a church that was more interested in sending than seeding, you know, more interested in, in releasing people and more of an apostolic mindset. Um, you know, one of the things that I'm really excited about that probably we won't get into a lot today, but you've started an outreach center in the city, working with the city called the Go Center. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, you know, so when we when my wife and I saw that, we just thought, this is a church that's really interested in it about going to people. And of course, microchurches, um, when we talked about that, you know, uh, sending people, sending leaders, uh, it's, it's, it's the full expression of church. It's like you're bringing worship, you're teaching, uh, right. you know, teaching on Jesus as Lord and, and that community piece where you're, you're walking in accountability and there's yeah. a missional discipleship piece that doesn't necessarily have to happen in a building. It can happen in an A and W. It can happen in lots of places because it's more about people, and and that's what the Ghost Center is about. The Ghost Center is all about people. You you just quickly talk yeah. about it, like what what sure. what's actually there in the Ghost Center. Well, yeah. So the Ghost Center, you know, I, I, a couple of years back, I, I just felt the Lord saying we needed a, a bit of a storefront to host some of our ministries because. You know, it was difficult for people to get to the church. Sometimes the church is just intimidating for for broken folks to want to even walk into. You know, yep. I mean, 
one of the primary lies of the enemy is it's like as soon as you get better you can go to church it's like saying as soon as you get well you can go to the hospital you know it's so ridiculous but it's a lie that that and and frankly that we kind of perpetuate too don't we when we expect people to to be a certain way when they arrive right um and so and and you and i have some great stories about some integrated folks who come to gateway every once in a while and it's it's magnificent actually to think that they feel safe enough to show up in their broken exactly um so I just felt we had it because we, we have a clothing, we had a clothing store within the church, free clothing store that we had thousands of items of clothes. Uh, we wanted to do healing rooms. We wanted to have a youth drop-in center. We wanted to have a space for, for uh, uh, there's, a, there's a ministry or an organization in our city called The Hub that helps connect people with resources, and they didn't have a place to, to set up shop. And we also wanted to have an overnight shelter in the winter. Yeah. And so... And so, I mean, that opened up through a crazy series of events of the city partnering with us to find this space. Uh, and and we host all of these various things. They were also hosting Celebrate Recovery, Alpha, different, right. you know, events. It's small. Like, I don't want people, you know, yeah. coming away imagining this. this it's just a little small place. And yeah. it's still 30 to 60 people are coming in there every day to get help. And yeah. and and we're seeing people get saved. We're seeing people get touched. But, you know, Paul, if I can just touch on one thing, like, like, if you're if you're a pastor or a leader and you're listening to this and 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 you're thinking okay this sounds like a good idea i want to i want to go with this i i would also submit that this took a few years quite a few years of our cultural development as a as a church family yeah to to think about our community and i mean you know one of the first questions i asked when we when i first came here 13 years ago was it was like if, if gateway closed its doors would would this community care would it would it have any impact yeah. And we decided we wanted that answer to be yes. And so that moved us to hosting events for uh, Canada Day on the premises that that because nothing was happening at the time. Right. Uh, or we also hosted the Family Day uh, event. And, you know, like, I mean, COVID has made that a little bit difficult, uh, uh, but we'll relaunch that when when life is is easier. But we, you know, we host that event. And so we invite people in and 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 I constantly get calls uh, just like, hey, are you doing anything for this? Because you know, for Easter or for whatever? Because we just, you know, Gateway always does such a great job of that. And the idea was that we were thinking out, you know, from from what we had, using yeah. what we had to think out. And and I think that that just makes this almost a little bit of an easier. It's not. It's not a. Yeah. a it's not this you know, massive shift in thinking to get there. So, well, we've always been doing this just another way and, yeah. and it makes sense. Yeah, I think, and that's a great point, and it ties into the microchurch conversation because when when you and I got up and kind of announced it to the church that this is something that we're thinking about doing, no one even blinked. It was just like, yeah. of course, yeah, like, because there's sense. already a culture of outward thinking. And I think that's an important you know, uh, thing for people to understand that you didn't just arrive there. It was taught, it was modeled, the culture was developed over a couple years, probably longer than that, of just decade, in, really. yeah, yeah, intentionally developing an outward thinking culture so that when stuff like this comes up, it's just like, yeah, that fits because it's already uh, it's already what we're doing. So, you know, pastor leader out there, you have to build this culture in. I think sometimes organizations overestimate flexibility and underestimate mm-hmm. the importance of stretching. We've all done that before because we go out and play sports when you get a little bit older <laughs> and you don't do the stretching because you've overestimated your flexibility and you're sore the next day. Yeah. We need yeah. stretching moments for for churches and and to get them to a point where they stretch so then they can be flexible yeah. 
at the right time. And so, so we weren't concerned about the leaders because you already had a little bit of a leadership pipeline. Um, but one of the things that was kind of on your heart and mind was connection. Because I, you know, when we kind of use the word family and we think about, we both have kids that are young adults. Some have moved out uh, on your side. We still have four kids at our house, but <laughs> we're working it's on glorious. it. Yeah. Oh, it's glorious. I know. It just, Push, listen, make I know. it happen, man. Quick cooking Cor- cheese. Yeah, yeah. Corey's <laughs> cooking is way too good. So, yeah, but um, when you send them out, you know, the first, gr- you know, my kids, when they leave, they'll still feel like this is home. But when they have kids, it, our house won't feel like they're home. It'll be, there's a, there's a, there's one separation. And we think microchurches are going to multiply and, and, you know, maybe go three or four or five or six or 10 or 15 generations deep. And you were concerned about the connection. Why don't you talk about that? Well, yeah, because you see, for, for, for me, anyways, I feel the apostolic uh, responsibility to ensure that we aren't putting an orphan in the place of leadership because I feel a responsibility to the people that they would right. lead. And so that's where, you know, you and I, and, and, and we're still landing. Like I, I think, and, and that's okay. Like we're still trying to find our way because every, you know, cause first of all, we're only beginning number yeah. one. Yeah. Um, uh, but secondly, you know, like I, I tend to think a little bit more connected and, and you can tend to think a little bit more released. And, and again, I'm okay with releasing, but that umbilical cord of culture matters in the sense that I want to ensure that the leader being placed in the spot, I know you do too, that they're healthy and that they have the, the, the necessary tools to actually appropriately um, love and serve the people that they're, that they're, you know, ultimately pastoring, um, you know, in the microchurch model. So, so for us, that, that really leads to, okay, we need to have some sort of common training, some sort of commonality in, in how we um, structure our leaders. And so they might rise up within it, but we, we feel um, that commissioning those leaders is the key. That, that we look scripturally, we see that they were commissioned. Laid hands were laid on them. They were recognized as leaders. That you know, that, that it was obvious that the, the Holy Spirit was resting on them, and and so then they they were released by by the leadership. And and so that's where you know you and I have come up with this model of thought. It's like okay, like not only are they are, are those leaders, you know, that they they raise up. We see them rise up, and that's great. But and but then they're trained and they're commissioned, they're released. Mm-hmm. Now that doesn't mean every leader will want that. Um, and that's fine. But then from our perspective, it's like, all right, that's fine. But then the benefits of the connection are lost. So, you know, um, if we want to talk about great grandma and great grandpa's house, if, if you're not wanting to be part of it, you don't get to come and visit. Like, like in the same, you get what I'm saying? Yeah. In the same yeah. way, you don't get the privileges uh, and the and the benefits of that connection, and so, so it's not to say that that somebody could rise up uh, out of a leadership and say, "I want to go here, and I don't want to be connected." Um, we could re- we could release and bless that, but then the benefits of the connection are lost. Yeah, and to me, you know, that almost points to an orphaned heart. Like it really it really does. Like if I if I don't see, I mean, I would be happy to, you know, my first question would be is, okay, well, who else are you going to be accountable to? Who, who else yeah. are you going to run with? Because that's the danger of this thing. Like, I mean, we have to recognize that there's a bit of a danger attached to it where, where people with a bee in their bonnet about yep. church structure or leadership or however it's set up could rise up and say, this is great. Microchurch is exactly what I want to do. 
finally to be free from the shackles of whatever, <laughs> you know? And, and, and <laughs> yeah, that can't, that, that rebellious heart. I just don't see anywhere where God blessed it. No. Yeah. And, and it has to be, you know, and so a bit of a leadership process, I think is important. Some training, yep. even just the ability to, to, to give them some um, biblical training, just to, you know, how are you going to share these things? How are you sharing, you know, right. how are you not using the Bible as your own personal sort of blueprint to accomplish whatever you want, right? Because right. any verse take, can be taken out of its context to say what you want, right? Right. And so to just guard against those things, because I feel, and, and I know you do too, we feel the responsibility to the people that they'll lead. Yep. That's important to us. Yeah, so they're not passing on an orphan mindset or heart exactly. or thinking. Exactly. Let me ask yeah. you a question. So they, So let's say two generations into microchurching, a leader rises up and goes, uh, while I've been a part of Gateway Culture, I want to go and start a microchurch with another family. So another group, yeah. uh, that's okay for you? We have to bless them and let them go. I think I, think I would want to know what's going on, why it's going on. Before you bless issue, it, you mean? Yeah, if there's an issue that, that's causing that sort of right. thing where it's like, okay, well, maybe there's something that we should repair here. Yeah. Because um, that's what family does. I, I mean, in the church, in the church, we we do have a tendency to sort of cut bait. Yeah. And and we we've got to get better at that. And so yeah. I would I would prefer, you know, to to at least have made the effort of saying, okay, like why? Yeah. What's going on? Is there a way? Is there a blind spot in our leadership in serving you that we're missing that that yeah. we could improve on? That would be a blessing to the rest of the 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 body, you know, that we're we're overseeing or. You know, or is there a blind spot in you that you're unwilling to right. uh, address or, yeah. you know, move into? And I mean, we can't, you know, we can't force people into addressing their stuff. So at that point, you may have to just release and, and yeah. pray the best. But I would want to have a contact. I would want to have a convo with the, their next leader. Right. Um, yeah. Because again, the responsibility that we have, that this is important, I think, if we're going to operate apostolically is recognizing the responsibility we have to the people that are going to be led right that they're going to be protected and loved and covered well and that this person that we're saying is a pastor yeah. for them yeah has has at least has reached the minimums yeah you know and i mean not that we would be minimum minded but you get what i'm saying like, yeah they're yeah we're not asking them to get a master's degree in divinity no, if you no, want to no, get no. one, that's fine. But we're gonna right. we're gonna give you and ensure that you have enough training and knowledge to be able to lead people well. But then they also have an army of people that can help them on because through the existing church, right? So well, this is it. Like there are structures and ministries that exist, you know, in the church uh, for its inner health and for its its growth. Um, that should be accessed. It would only make sense. Right, like youth ministry. You, yeah, youth right. ministry or, like you know, a celebrate recovery or right. whatever, these different things that, you know, so that they're not having to reinvent the wheel as they go. They can stay missional in their, in their purpose and see people get saved. Right. All right, let's talk about this next tension that you and I chatted through. Uh, we chatted about, like... Uh, not autonomy, that's the wrong word, but the, the ability to self-govern. Uh, so like, so 
of course, I'm I'm advocating as part of the microchurch side of it to say, no, we need leaders to be able to contextually apply and uh, the gospel to the situation they're in. It's not cookie cutter. These these leaders that we're raising yeah. up and we're commissioning need to have the ability to to lead how they feel they need to lead. And so there's this aspect of there's a there's. I'm advocating for a high level of trust so that they can lead uh, how they need to lead. There would be some leaders out there, Landon, and 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 maybe even you at, at, at certain points as we've had this conversation, that would say, sure. uh, I'm really uncomfortable uh, blessing these microchurch pastors to have too much self-governing, uh, you know, uh, authority, um, so talk to talk to us from the lead pastor perspective of like, okay, so what are some of the things that, that go through your head right. that are both good and then some of the things that you're just really trusting the Lord for because you're not sure? And again, I mean, we'll talk about the process we're in at the end of this podcast and how we're leading it. Yeah. We are literally right at the beginning, and I think a year from now... Yeah, I think a year from now, Landon, we'll come back and we'll have another conversation and we'll go. Everything we just said is like so we were, we, were so wrong. We were so wrong. <laughs> we were talking about the wrong things, but this is where we are today. And yeah. we, you know, we're gonna track with you because microchurch is actually becoming a much hotter topic in church planting world. And uh so I, I'm excited to have this conversation. But anyways, the self-governing aspect of microchurches, go. I think I think there's a difference between culture and context. So so when when we're talking about being contextual, I think they have to have enough uh, uh, autonomy to make decisions based on what will help them reach their their spot. Um, right. Where I think the overlap where the overlap lands is is culturally, um, where again there has to be a measure of autonomy there, but there also has to be some non-negotiables that we lean into as family. I would okay. say these are some of the things that identify us. So our values are fairly simple. They're family-focused, love-motivated, and kingdom-minded. So if they're going to stray away from that culture, I'm going to have an issue. Uh, and I feel like those three values, core, core values, give plenty of space Oh yeah. Uh, to run. Oh, yeah. Um, and yet at the same time, they, they, they create some boundaries for behavior. Um, again, our, our missional journey at Gateway is belong, discover, follow, thrive. Um, you know, you can belong before you believe. Like, we want you to belong in family. We want you to experience that. We want to discover what, you know, God. We want you to discover new things about you. We want you to follow Jesus. That, that, that's, that, 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 that element of discovery is other levels of learning to follow Jesus and be his disciple for Jesus is Lord. You know, and then, of course, so that you thrive in life and live life to its fullest in him. So again, these are pretty wide lanes. Yeah, yeah, because so values because because values are actually set up to be like fences, but really big fences. Yeah, so that no, lots of people in the playground. Yeah, that that everyone can kind of. And I like how you explained the context and culture, and and culture really does you know center around values and behaviors, and those yeah. are really important. And they may even the behaviors. When we talk about maybe actions, they might look different from microchurch to microchurch, but there's some things that are just like, we're going to love people, we're going to serve people. Like, I, I, I love that how you just framed that, because I think that's the, that's the important thing. The, 
you can yeah, have so autonomy, autonomy and context, but not in necessarily away from our culture. Not necessarily in culture. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, and again, there's going to be, and I think that we've set wide enough cultural lanes that there's room to move yep. based on the context that you're in, but that expression doesn't get lost. And, 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 you know, Paul, if I can just share this one element too, because, you know, it could sound like gateway would be a, a seeker sensitive sort of atmosphere, but in the in the same hand of of pursuing having an out, outbound mind, we've you know committed ourselves to seeing miracle signs and wonders and the presence yep. of God and moving forward in that. And so I mean, so just not to to feel like it's just pigeonholed into like oh, so they're just doing like no, we're we're seeing people healed regularly. Yep. We're seeing people walking into you know being delivered regularly, and we're seeing people getting saved who who. That context shouldn't fit, but it does because we're thinking about them in the midst of it. Yeah, and we're that. getting better at it. We're not perfect at it, my start, but we're getting better at it. And so those, so those elements, you see, so like even within our within the church, there's enough room yeah. for those two to exist, to coexist, yeah. um, and to see the kingdom advance that way. So yeah, I, I for me, autonomy I think is very important. You, you want pioneer people, yeah, and the, and you can't. You, you can't necessarily strap them to to a uh, uh, a process or a certain you know um, um, way of doing things. You, you you have to give them space to express themselves. But I think it's the how. Culture answers the how we're going to do it. Culture answers the, the you know the the that whole element of of just shared behavioral responses. Yeah, and and uh, I think that that's important. So yeah, contextually, contextually, they got to be able to, to to move around a little bit. Yeah, culturally, they've got to have some boundaries. Yeah, um, and I think that that helps us walk it out. Yeah. Okay. Here's the hot topic that, as I've chatted with other Here leaders. Go. Here we go. As I've chatted, you already know what I'm going to say. Like, because you bet I do. Yeah, because every every leader I talk to about this, like, I'll say, hey. You know, we're starting with this with Gateway, and they're like, wow, that sounds really great and really great. And he's like, and it comes but how, how does it work with you, the money? With the money. <laughs> Everyone wants to know, show me the money. Like, how show is... Show me the money. So we've had good conversation <laughs> about this, Landon. And again, this this airplane is, you know, just in the... <laughs> you know, it's on the runway. I think we've got two wings on it, but that's pretty much it. So, you know, and an engine and, you know, a couple pilots ready to ready to launch this thing but so money you and i've talked yeah. about this and so why don't you just talk from a perspective because again um there are expenses that the existing church has i mean let's just be right. honest there's expenses right. there's staff expenses there's building expenses and if we're sending people out does does that mean they still do they tie to the microchurch do they do they give to the microchurch do they just not worry about tax receipts anymore or do they does everyone have to give back to gateway like this this is the this is the thing where i think some pastors were like i loved everything you guys said until uh, what until, until this this point <laughs> so so t- we i we've had this conversation and folks it's been back and forth we haven't come yeah. quickly to an idea and we're still going to work it out but but catch everyone up to where we are today. Yeah. Well, first of all, um, I think I think the one thought. This is why this is safe. Um, 
this feels so much safer for me in our context than traditional church planting is that we're not we're we're looking at sending now granted good people in the fact that they're leaders that have this right. call right but we're not saying hey take 15 of our folks and go right we're saying we're going to prepare you and train you go and save them microchurching is missional it's not it's not about gathering the saved although there's going to be people who are maybe disenfranchised sure. from church that'll yep. find that but they wouldn't have been in gateway anyway so so it's we're not taking gateway people out we're sending those amongst us right. with this call out so so number one that and that makes it entirely different right there because we're not dividing up the proverbial money pot of gateway in the way that sometimes uh, planting can happen. Yeah. Um, so that's the first thing. The second thing is, is that um, micro churches to be able to hand out tax receipts or anything like that in their giving. Well, number one, first of all, we know that the newly saved learn to give. They don't just start there. That's true. So, so that's, so that's a whole nother that's a whole nother process. And the microchurch right. uh, leaders will have to navigate through that and create a pathway for that. So, that, you know, so let's face it. Like, I mean, they just, they don't give until they learn to give. Yep. Um, so right there, it's not really going to, how's that affect our finances? Right. If they're, if, if they're getting saved and they're not giving and they're learning to do that, yeah. like it doesn't affect gate, the main campuses. Finances. Right. However, if they want to start to give in that for a microchurch to be able to do tax receipts, whatever, they have to become their own body to do that. And that's an onerous process. So they can yeah. work that through gateway. They can just simply work it through gateway. Yeah. And, and we'll, what we've done in the past and, and what we're looking at doing with this is, is managing uh, that. Let's say like, let's say a hundred dollars comes in a portion of it would manage our administration. The rest would be a, a set aside in the microchurches accounts and, and we would use that money as they need it. And yes, Paul, I see. Well, I was just, I was just going to say as a point, as a point of clarity, no micro order, a point of order. There's no microchurch leaders that are getting paid. Correct. And we're starting out with the first round of microchurch pastors and leaders being members of gateway Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. we just want that connection on that first generation of microchurch leaders Will we say the second generation or third or fourth or however? We're not sure yet, but we're just saying yeah. we want our microchurch pastors yeah. to be, and of course, then that would encourage them um, and commit them to giving financially to Gateway. Right. So just as a point of clarification, these aren't, nobody's getting a charitable donation number every microchurch. It's just too much. Uh, this is going to flow through Gateway and and potentially having an account from these funds to uh, be approved by a potential, uh, you know, I don't know what we would call it, a committee, a finance committee for microchurch so that people can actually send requests in. So it's like, hey, we want to do a neighborhood block party and we need 500 bucks for food or whatever. And you know, that will be part of it. But it won't, just because you give to the microchurch fund, that's not your money. It's just you're well, giving to the the overall vision of it. And and then, of course, then it'll get dispersed. So that's kind of the structure yeah, because, we're thinking about, right, Landon? Yeah, well, because these things are meant to run lean. 
They're not, they're, right. the microchurches aren't meant to run in the same sort of fashion that, that the main campuses are, are going to run. And so they're meant to run lean, which means that their staff overhead is minimal to, to nil, that their building overhead is minimum to nil. Um, where we want them spending their, where we want them spending finances is in outreach. How are you reaching yeah. your community? So if you're going to do a block party, you need 500 bucks, you know, and, 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 and we would, you know, our idea is to just simply keep track of where the money is coming in from and, uh, you know, make sure that the lion's share of the percentage is held in, in trust ready to go. And then if it's not used, it, it gets folded into next year or we figure out what we're going to do with it. it, it the, the real key is, is that our microchurch leaders are holding their finances loosely and we're holding them loosely as well. Like, yeah. I mean, we have to, we just, we just have to, to walk that out. But, but I think where we're wanting to relieve the tension for pastoral leaders in all of this is that the things are supposed to run lean. Yeah. They're not supposed to be top heavy in their overhead, which means that, that um, it shouldn't be a burden on the main campus they should be their own bird. And for that matter, you know what? There's nothing stopping the microchurch leader from saying, hey, everybody, let's put 40 bucks into the pot here to get our $500 to do exactly. uh, uh, an outreach here. I mean, they got to, you know, there's, I think we have to get a little bit more willing to not receive tax receipts for things. Yep. I don't know, frankly, how much longer we're going to get to receive them anyway. So, um, yep. you know, that that's a reality. And and I think it would be actually probably pretty profound to have the next generation of of uh, believers not tied financially to their giving in the same way that we can be with our tax receipts now. Yeah. I think that there might be something really valuable to actually moving it away yep. from, from that mindset and into a bit of a different one. So I just listen, think, it, it's, can I ahead. just jump in there? I was just going to say that's going to be part of the microchurch culture that we want to build. And, you know, just as we're, as we're finishing up today, we're going to talk about the process that we're on together yeah. um but this idea of like if there's a family <clears throat> if there's a family that that needs money in our you know orbit of the people that we're discipling and it's like hey if anyone wants to give to this we're going to help pay their power bill or we're going to help exactly. there's no tax receipt for that uh right. you know we want to give to a, a family or you know buy some gift cards for you know, families, you know, for groceries or whatever, there's no tax receipts for that. It's just giving. Um, yeah. And and that's kind of the offering side of things that I think microchurches are, are going to actually have a blast knowing that, hey, we're not getting attacked. We're getting nothing back from this giving. It is 100% set aside to give to the poor. And again, you know, the poor... That has to be the focus, not just financially poor, but those who are spiritually poor and mentally and, and just just yeah. just poor in spirit right across the board. Um, you know, we want to be on the edge of mission, constantly looking for where we can help. And, and that's a beautiful thing. That's a beautiful thing, Paul, because one of the challenges in a main campus is how do we give uh, benevolently? Yeah. Um, and the tax receipt elements that are attached to that, because people just generally think that way. There's, and they're not being wrong in thinking that way. It's just the process that we're in. Right. And so, for, right. for me to stand up on a Sunday morning, let's say, and say, "Hey, we're going to pay for some some sort of you know power bill. And if you want to give to that, but it's not going to be tax receivable." Um, I can guarantee you that that 
number is going to be a lot lower than it yeah. would be if I made a if I made a giving line in our, sure. in our online. You can click there and then it just goes. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. So that sort of uh, flexibility, that sort of maneuverability within the culture, you know, now I can I can sure see how that cultural perspective of just generous giving with no, you know, beneficial return fits into our values. Yep. Yep. And it would be able, they actually be able to express something more, uh, uh, not, I want to say purely, but more potently, let's say, yep. uh, in the micro church than we would in the main campus. And so that's the beauty because yep. we kind of get the whole gambit being released. And I think that's lovely. Well, and the timeliness of it. So you can respond like super quick. Yeah. So, yeah. okay. So yeah. where we are today we had our first. Uh, we we put the we put it out to the church, and you know who knows how many people are attending Gateway now. But prior to COVID, Landon, <laughs> you know we were what were we three four hundred somewhere in that zone uh, and between between right between four and five hundred. Okay, between four and five hundred, and uh, so we put it out to our online audience. We put it out to our church, and said, "Hey, would you be?" interested in, in considering microchurch and we knew that it would be probably a lower number and i think we had 12 or 13 at our first kind of interest night and so here's the process we're actually going to take these leaders uh through some assessment we had them fill out an application yeah. there's going to be some uh an interview after that and once they get approved in that kind of first initial phase they're going to join my wife and i for six to eight months, and we're going to actually embody microchurch as leaders. And there's going to be training and coaching. Landon, we're going to send them back to Gateway for some uh, ministry school training, and you're going to be a part of it. We're going to have a good connection. And then at that six to eight months, if we feel like, yes, they're ready to go, September 2022, what are we going to do? Well, September 22, if they're ready to go and they've got a bit of a target place, um, they've had their time of prayer, we've kind of gone through the the, yep. the process that we want. Uh, we're going to have them come up front, lay our hands on them, commission them to, to pastor. I go, love that. Go and save the place that they're feeling they're called to go and, and touch. Go yeah. live, and live missionally. Live that. Now, and we're wanting that to inspire people who maybe don't have a pastoral call, but can go and live missionally wherever. And so we get both the best of both worlds, right? Yeah. We have people going out and actually living out their missional lifestyle and call and gather people and, and journey with them and have a strong connection to a, a larger place where they can lean in for resource and strength and, and guidance. And we have our people being inspired that, wow, you know what? I could, I, I maybe I, I'm not called to pastor that way, but maybe I'm called to just love my neighbor well. Yeah. And then they can come with me to Gateway. And that's, that's, yeah. that's beautiful too. We both, they're like, we win and we win. Yeah. It's, it's a great way of looking at it. Yeah. And so that's one thing that we've said right from the beginning microchurching and the Go Center are not excuses for Joe Pusitter. Or, you know, just somebody who's coming to church not to be missional. It's like, oh, yeah. I, you know, I give to that. Or I'm a part of Gateway that does that. No, no. Just quickly talk to, you know, how have you just kind of presented those two things as they're missional, but that doesn't give you an out on not being missional. 
well, I think you said it when we were sharing once together. You said, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe you're thinking, oh, I'm just going to sit back and cheer these people on. And then I reminded people that uh, Hebrews 12 uh, points to the cheerleading team and they're dead. So <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're not with so, us. They're not with us. That's how they get the cheer. So, so it's, it's more so it's, it, we have to understand that there's measures of participation, but we're all called. To yep. live our faith out in front of our neighbors. Yep. We're all called to that. And, and then there's different measures to, to the responsibilities added to that. But none of us can leave the, and I think you said really the, the, the missionary God, the you know, Philippians, uh, uh, you know, have this mind in you that was also in Christ, you know, who, who laid everything down and became one of us. And, yeah. and so for us to live incarnationally amongst, to bring Jesus to, to our community and whatever, yeah. um, uh, uh, fashion that we're we're engaging whether or not you know it's with the person who's cutting your hair or right just knowing how to knowing how to have those spiritual conversations and 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 listen team we're growing our folks in this so it's, yeah it's not like it's not like uh you know you may if you were to come out to gateway you might say well man that sounds that looks pretty incomplete in comparison to what they're talking about yeah it is we're yeah. we're, we're we're in our journey yeah um but the idea really is is that is that there isn't an excuse to just simply you don't get you don't get points by association in this. Yeah, that's you, it. You, you just simply because you're associated doesn't mean you get points for that. Yeah, um, we participate, and and that's the that's our call. We're all called yeah. to go. He didn't just say to a certain group. That's why disciple making culture is so important. You know, just that's yeah. that's why we build it in. Landon, thanks for taking time to just be transparent exactly. with all of us, and uh, we're hoping to have three or four microchurches ready to launch. So that would mean six or eight couples because every leader is going to have a co-leader. We're yeah. going to bake multiplication right in, meaning that group is going to have a leader that's going to be sitting for a year. And then that following year, they're going to launch, hopefully. They got to get it out there. And yeah. then we're going to we're going to on-ramp new leaders, and uh, we're excited about uh, how God is leading this. But thanks for, uh, yeah, thanks for jumping yeah. on today. Appreciate it. You bet. So fun. You bet.